Off the ball. It's not like Maradona or Messi, where the ball is tied to the left foot. I always see the ball as something which is bouncing, like an obedient, happy puppy. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off the Ball. With Gillette, in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. This is News Talk. Now then, you're very welcome, everybody. Wednesday evening coming at you, which means, of course, Wednesday night rugby, the first of the new year. Mr. Andy Dunn in studio between eight and nine, I'm very happy to say. We will talk this hour to TJ Quinn of ESPN. You'll have seen, I'm sure, Buffalo Bills safety, Damar Hamlin, 24 years of age, went into cardiac arrest on Monday Night Football as a horrified national audience looked on. He's recovering in hospital, seems to be on the road to recovery, thankfully, TJ Quinn. Our ESPN will join us uh, this hour to tell all. And there is live football this evening. Premier League is coming at us thick and fast, as is Mr. Kenneth Cunningham in studio once again. There's no getting rid of you. Evening, Joe. You're that very smell welcome. Just lingers. It really is lingering. <laughs> I am through, lingering. Through until 10 o'clock, the smell this evening, I think. <laughs> it was only here till about 8 o'clock last night, but now it's here for the evening. Well, I'll tell you what, I got home late, late last night and my ma said, Geez, Joe, Joe was in a bad way over the Christmas. I said I didn't, I didn't hear him whinging, I didn't hear him whinging myself. She went, oh yeah, he was described it in my new detail, how bad he was. I was whinging before you came on. In his sick bed, he was in bits and had his missus <laughs> running around like a skivvy after him. <laughs> 53106 You're back anyway, you sound number. as if you're back, that's my point. Getting there. Add off the ball on Twitter. You can hit up Kenny Cunningham. The darts last night, Kenny. You were holding court here at Manchester United against uh, Bournemouth. Are you a darts man? I was man? trying. Nathan was dra- was trying to get over to the alley pally any any chance he could get. Are you a darts man? No. Okay. I wouldn't be oh. especially either, but I could appreciate what yeah. was happening last night. So Michael Smith, who had twice been a runner-up from England uh, against Michael Van Gerwen, three-time world champion, that was the final. Yeah. I switched over and the commentator at the stage I flicked over, which was after I got out of here, obviously, was saying... Early, yeah. This could be... <laughs> <laughs> this could be the greatest darts match... Really? Ever, is oh, what he was saying. standard overall. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. Now, I think it dwindled a touch because Michael Smith ran a relatively comfortable winner. But at that stage, when I was tuning in, it was extraordinary. And what propelled this from amazing darts match to stratospheric was a leg midway through where both players, stick in your headphones here, both players, Kenny, were on for a nine darter, which is perfection, perfection, as you well know. And it was, um, well, it was extraordinary. So have a little listen here. This is Wayne Mardle on commentary, losing his mind and his voice. It turns out that's no joke. So here we go. This was a nine darter, both of them on for nine darter in the final last night, Smith against Van Gerwen. And you'll get a sense of things. You can tell by the way they're scoring, there may be nothing in it. They may both be on nines. Michael may miss and Michael may hit. They're both on nines. They're both on a nine. This is insane. Wow, the World Championship final. Michael Van Gerwen is on a nine data.
Not bad. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, like you say, I don't think you have to be necessarily a huge sports or <laughs> darts fan to get a uh, lose yourself in the moment there. Yeah, I agree. The crowd told any um, blind viewers just have to listen to the crowd. Exactly. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so Wayne Myrtle really put himself out of the match. The commentator. His voice went, and John Parth had to take over. He tried. He had a. Oh, is that what it was? That's why he jumped in. He had a lozenge for a while. I just couldn't get back in the game. Seized up, voice gone. I was just going to say, it's one of those moments for the commentators, it's, you know, it's unique. You've, you've got to get it right and they got to come in at the right moment. You've got to find the right words, haven't you? Yeah, he did well and lost his voice in the process. I suppose your man had to miss the dart, didn't he really, for it to be, you know, he goes and gets a first, you know, I think the kind of, yeah, that's where the drama is, isn't it? He's actually yeah. missed that last dart and your man kind of steps up. Yeah. Oh, Nathan was loving it, I know that. Richie yeah. McCormack is with us. Good evening. Absolute sport of kings is darts. I don't have a word said <laughs> against it. I, I love the darts. Um, what Michael Smith performed last night was just incredible. Like to uh, knock out that double 12, complete that nine darter after watching Van Gerwen blow his chance at it, took a mental fortitude I can't even begin to get my head around, particularly with that crowd baying behind him. He was immense, absolutely immense last night to come through what he did as regards putting two defeats in a final behind him uh, to go up against somebody of the calibre of Michael Van Gerwen and essentially put him to bed uh, with a couple of sets to spare. He, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, but then ran a pretty comfortable winner in the end as well, right? Yeah, yeah. That, I guess, like as you mentioned there, that was the disappointing element of it because I guess we figured that we were going to have a, an epic and we were going to have potentially a 7-6 and uh, one of those. But Van Gerwen really fell away badly in the middle part of that match. It looked like we might get a wobble from Smith and that kind of scar tissue from previous finals might bite home when uh, Van Gerwen bought a set back to make it 6-4. I, 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 was, I was worried for, for Smith then. I thought, do you know what, it's 6-4. They've gone off for a break here. He came back and I think opened with a really low 20s with his throw of the darts, but managed to recoup and managed to come back and put it to bed with a three-set victory and... Oh, Jesus, it was great. Absolutely great. For sheer drama, there is literally nothing like it. And to put it into context, like we still talk about the darts contingent that are out in that office. We still talk about, with great fondness, Paul Lim's nine darter at the BDO World Championships in 1990, I think it was, against uh, an Irish competitor. And like it's so unusual to see somebody pull off a nine darter on the stage. And, and Lim's one, I think, was in the early stages of the tournament. For them to be both in contention in the same leg in a final with all the pressure on them in a much, much bigger environment and arena. like It was exceptional darts last night. It really, really was. I'm burying the lead, Kenny. Evan Ferguson's Brighton. They can't be stopped. So Evan Ferguson, he started last night, as we mentioned, half seven, hit the post in the first half. Really good, clever effort, a bit unlucky. And then uh, scored second half, very composed. He was involved in the third goal. It was an assist. I mean, he passed the ball 10 yards to someone, so we won't go overboard. But hey, he was involved. So amazing. 18-year-old Evan Ferguson. Here's the stat for you, Kenny. He is the youngest player to score in consecutive top-flight games for a club since Federico Makeda for Manchester United in 09. So that's a cautionary tale. Let's not get carried away. Uh, but still, this is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I think it is. I think we've all probably seen enough of uh, Evan play underage football at uh, Ireland under-21s in particular. He's made it an impression of late. So I think we're all aware of the attributes which he has, his physical uh, size in uh, particular, athleticism, 
like technical ability for somebody that big really nice uh, uh, technique on the ball and the thing for me from the outside looking in which impressed me and obviously I don't know a huge amount about uh, Evan and obviously his development but when he initially went to Brighton and he went there was he six, was he 15 when he got 16? More 16 16 yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly 16, yeah. but very quickly he made big strides very quickly it didn't seem within a year almost he was in the 23s uh, Rich and he was playing mm. regularly there at that at that level and that's a massive that's a big jump, you know. You're playing there with some outstanding youth players and even uh, professionals at under 23. You allowed so many overage players, and then it seemed very quickly after that he was on the fringes of the of the first team. He was including a couple of squads. He was on the bench. I mean, that's that's huge, you know. That those to make those strides that quickly was a little indication that not in terms of the ability which he has that I, that I've spoke about, but just kind of mentally as well in between his ears in terms of his kind of uh, maturity and stuff that he was. It was literally all there. It was just a case of being patient and just waiting for it to come to the come to the fore. So, I, uh, and Rich, you would have seen him come through at Bowes. So he made his debut yeah. age. Didn't play much there, though, did he? Fourteen. 14. But his debut at fourteen. Yeah. Obviously, Father Barry played. He's basically our Erling Haaland. Uh, Barry <laughs> played, and I wondered why didn't he go over? So if if he's good enough to play at fourteen for Bowes, he was certainly good enough to have headed over to the UK earlier. I wonder yeah. was that a paternal family decision? Stay here, let's not rush things, or or what was the thinking there? I wonder. I I, I think there is an age restriction on the the players you can actually take on board from uh, outside countries, uh, so it would have been con- conducive with that. Uh, as far as I remember, there was talk at the time that obviously there would have been interest um, from overseas, but he couldn't move until he was 16. Uh, so that would have been the reason. I think it was on his 16th birthday, more or less. He was cleared right. to, to oh, go okay. over to Brighton. Yeah, so, but like, I, I, it's, it's not long ago, <clears throat> let's be honest. But I remember those conversations about him making his debut in that friendly against Chelsea, funnily enough, against the Frank Lampard team, um, whereby like people were talking about 14 being too young and it's a man's environment. Like, clearly his physical development uh, was such that he was able to hold himself in and around the Bose team and just look at like Jamie Mullins is heading over making the same journey we'll get to that and he's only the same age as Ferguson is now so clearly Ferguson in terms of his physicality was a few steps ahead and I think aided by Barry and his family in general he has a head and his shoulders that is much older than his years so he's able to handle I think the, the pressures is probably too much of a word but certainly the difference in environment and the adult step up in environment that a professional football outfit would represent I think uh, it definitely helps to handle that. Yeah. yeah, I think it definitely helps, Rich. I think when someone's yeah. gone down that road before, his dad in particular played at a good level, has played League of Ireland football uh, as well. So yeah, there would have been kind of some sound advice there. I've probably even reference um, Nathan Collins uh, at Wolves in terms of made the guidance he got from his dad, Dave Collins. I played with his dad at school by football here in uh, Dublin. He went to England at an early age at Liverpool and had a career in England before heading uh, home so I think that matters I think it helps key moments key decisions that you're making you've mentioned about I'm not going over a bit earlier for me I, I shiver a little bit when I hear like uh, young Irish players heading younger than 16 15 14 potentially over to the UK or anywhere else to be honest with you without that kind of support network of family and friends uh, behind them so yeah I think it was a good thing and every player is different Joe you have to remember that uh, there's no rule, one rule for all. Generally, generally, it's that physical development which is what you're waiting for. There's been so many Irish players down the years. Now, um, uh, you'll know, Rich, in terms of technically brilliant. No street footballers, we hear it a lot. They have it all, they have oh, all the skills. Yeah. But it's that kind of physical development. Go over to England, they're just waiting, waiting for that physical development to kick in. It's obviously almost being flipped on his head with Evan, like in terms of the, the size of him, all the attributes are there. And yeah, just the man who took those two goals, his first goal, as I said last night, I might have been talking to Nathan, the goal against uh, Arsenal. 
just that first touch, the ball uh, fell behind him, just raked it with the top of it with, with his studs, almost a nonchalant touch into a strike before a finish. And even last night looked an easy finish, lads, but it was you know it was a really punchy, confident finish. You know what I mean? Didn't Snapchat it. Very no. composed, very relaxed. Wasn't overthinking. It just no. came, just trusted his technique, bang high into the it, corner. Perfectly forgiven for thinking. Oh my God, I'm about to score a second goal in the Premier League in two games. Whack boom! It's all over the bar. Yeah, and it's so a bit like uh, Rich is saying about Rich. You were saying about the the Dar players. Just saw the highlights quickly when I got yeah. back home last night. The lad having with nine Dar, the lad having just missed the previous one. No, what's at stake? The crowd going absolutely mad. You could see it. I was watching his face. Literally, he was gone. He was in a different place to everybody else inside Ali Pali, wherever it was. Yeah. you know, he found he put himself in that in that space to kind of hit the darts that he did. And probably a similar situation as well as all elite athletes and maybe even Evan Ferguson last night just blocked out everything. Yeah. Just trust the technique. Yeah, great finish. Let's just put more pressure on him because it's a fun thing to do with an 18 year old. <laughs> so I, I presume Stephen Kenny's looking on and he's been in squads before, but if he's managing to pre- play a reasonable amount of Premier League football and is scoring a couple of goals here and there, then he's strongly in consideration and we're not producing. Oh, doubtly. Well, he's, well, he's already come on and made Premier it. Yeah, he's, Goals. He's made he's made that debut already off the bench. So no, I know he's played, played twice, yeah. but like in terms of Minimum forcing minutes. himself in, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. I think there's a place there for him. I think we've rotated a number of times high up the pitch. It looks as if uh, Stephen Kenny's decided on that kind of three. Uh, five-two formation with a central strike and pairing uh, going forward. It looks as if Obafemi may be the one he trusts at the moment in terms of maybe a guaranteed starting position. So I think there's a place up for grabs around them. Troy Parrott's done well. He's coming there. Ogbeni Adamida, great to see yeah. uh, him back and in contention. But I still feel as if there's a position there available if he can maintain his form and obviously yeah keep playing minutes at that level. He's going to come in there. He's going to have a strong claim for a place. You were covering Manchester United, Bournemouth. Were you not any good? Um, yeah, they were in some in some aspects of their game. Not so good in other aspects. Yeah, it was a funny old game. That second half was like batty. It really was. It was Why? so open. Oh. So open, Joe. I mean, they could have conceded three easily. Manchester League went 2-0 up and you think, just kill the game now. Just end it. You know, just take the ball away from uh, Bournemouth and don't overcommit. You know, just suffocate the game, basically. If you get another goal, fair enough. If not, but the game's done. And just wasn't the case. They kind of turn over the ball. They look um, fragile on the transitions. That kind of defensive structure midfield doesn't stand up our possession when they get spread around the pitch. And Bournemouth just uh, cut through them time and time again, crosses into the box. As I said, could have short, uh, scored one or two goals. Some good plus points, of course, some really good quality goals, some good individual uh, performances kind of dotted around the pitch but also some little bit of imbalance into the team as well as well we'll probably speak about it a bit later yeah. Bruno playing off the right looked out with Soros uncomfortable playing there so the team was a little bit unbalanced uh, because of it so yeah a lot of good there a lot of promise a lot of feel good I understand that confidence building momentum yeah but at the same time Manchester City and Arsenal coming down the road if they'd have been on the pitch playing any of those two teams last night forget it the game would have been taken away Okay, interesting because I think we all just looked at the scoreline and thought well it was a procession so that's interesting Kenny's with us between 9 and 10 so we'll chat about all the uh, football of the past couple of days the news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day so we don't know if John Cooney is going to make the jump Richie but Ben (coughs) Healy has made the jump 
He has indeed. Ben Healy is off to Edinburgh. The Scottish club confirmed the half has signed a two-year contract and will depart Munster at the end of this season. Healy qualifies to play for Scotland through his mother and he could well find himself playing against Ireland at the World Cup in the autumn. Munster head coach Graham Rentree said Healy's decision to leave is out of their hands but fully understands his professional aspirations. Healy himself says the decision to leave his hometown club has not been an easy one to make but believes the Edinburgh move gives him the best opportunity to fulfil his professional goals. We'll talk to Andy Dunn between 8 and 9. I know you're not a rugby aficionado generally, Kenny. So this is a player who has played about 50 times for Munster, never been picked for Ireland, has Scottish grandparents, therefore qualifies for Scotland. Scotland have noticed, geez, Ireland don't seem to be using you. Come over and play for Edinburgh and presumably play for Scotland. And he's decided, yeah, I'm 23. I'm not making much headway with Ireland. I'll do that. Would you do something similar if it had come to it, if Ireland didn't want you? No, you, well, you can't ask me that question. Like, I can't put myself into that lad's shoes because that wasn't my uh, situation. I didn't have that pull. That link. Yeah, like, similar to a lot of other players that I played with. It just wasn't no kind of decision to be made. It's that just that kind of emotional attachment that you have, and that's that's it, really. Like, There's no decision to be made. So it'd be easy for me to jump in, row in there, and, and give me opinion. But I, I don't think I should, really, to be honest, because I just... You know, I can't stand in that man's shoes in terms of his family background, his association. Might be a strong connection, family connection there, uh, there to Scotland. I always personally myself, I always feel inside you it has to be. It's got to be in you there in terms of this is this is what I want. This is this is where my attachment lies, and I'm going to commit myself to this hell or high war for the whole of my career. And for me, if that's the case, even if that you just get one cap. Even if it just that manifests itself in one cap over the course of a fifteen-year career, mm. surely that would mean more than potentially forty or fifty playing for another country. I'll be you've got strong connections there, but yeah. So it's a I, I, I've probably learned over the years to keep out. Probably a couple of years ago, I would have jumped in there and given a stronger opinion than that. But you know, I have to understand the fact that we all have different uh, backgrounds. Too easy for me to jump in there and kind of criticise that lad and say, oh, what's all that about jumping from one to the other? That that ain't right, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, he's totally entitled to and, you know, as he said himself, it will further his professional life and it's a short career. The strange thing, Richie, always with um, rugby players, especially when you're going mm. from the likes of Ireland to Scotland, is maybe in football you might come across the Republic of Ireland once, twice across your decade-long career. Ben Healy's going to see Ireland every year and listen to Aaron <laughs> Levine every year. So you, you're, you're like facing them routinely, which is the other complication. Presuming he does actually play for Scotland. Presuming um, he does actually is, play for Scotland, exactly. Does, yes. Yeah, we, we can't exactly make the presumption, but we'll assume that he, he will. Yeah, yeah it's, an inter- it's an interesting one. And as Kenny mentioned there, the familial ties with his man being Scottish adds a bit more strength to his connection. It's not like a John Cooney situation whereby he's already played international rugby. Ben Healy hasn't. Mm. Uh, so he does have that opportunity still open to him. It's not like he's switching countries. I don't know. From a Healy point of view, you can understand it because you're looking at the depth chart there with Ireland and he's probably thinking with the emergence of Jack Crowley, I've fallen behind not only at Munster, regardless of his good performance at the weekend, I've probably fallen behind at Munster and that's not going to change given the age profile of Carberry and Jack Crowley. Um, you look at Leinster and they've got out halves to beat the band with Ross Byrne, Harry Byrne, Kieran Frawley, who we haven't talked about because he's injured, but he's another one that's in there too. So he's probably looked at his pathway towards international rugby and thought it's not going to happen there. I don't know if this option was open to him. What I would have maybe liked, and from an Irish perspective, preferred to see is if there were other avenues open to him to go off and play in England or in France and maybe bide his time, build his profile over there and not necessarily commit to one or the other. Um, 
I know Scotland are on a hunt for depth. Edinburgh and, and Glasgow particularly are on a hunt for depth themselves. Scotland under Gregor Townsend definitely needed too. So I can see their outlook on it. It's just, I guess it's, much like Keith Wood said this morning, it's a shame that, that it's come to this, I guess, that an Irish player has decided to pursue their avenues elsewhere. And it shows how much of a bottleneck there is in certain positions for us. Yeah, well, Andy Dunn's going to join us after eight o'clock. And it's the second time Scotland have tried to allure Ben Healy. They tried two years ago, and this time he's, he's made the move. It'll be at the end of this season with the World Cup on the horizon, which could be interesting. Cooney and Healy versus Ireland at the World Cup would <laughs> uh, be quite something. We do have Premier League this evening, so uh, mm-hmm. Spurs under a little bit of pressure. Yeah, they are indeed against a decent Crystal Palace side too. Spurs looking to close the gap in the Premier League's top four tonight. They're away to Crystal Palace and there's an 8pm start at Selhurst Park. Matt Doherty starts again for Spurs. And there's also an 8 o'clock start in the West Midlands derby clash of Aston Villa and Wolves. Nathan Collins is at the heart of the Wolves defence and Joe Hodge is on the bench for them. Southampton welcome Nottingham Forest to St Mary's. Kickoff is in just seven minutes time. And Peter Hood has the team news from St Mary's. Southampton manager Nathan Jones looks to avoid three successive Premier League defeats since he became manager of Southampton by making a trio of changes from the team that lost at Fulham. In come Lavia, Mara and Perot. Out go Maitland-Niles, Aribo and Adozi who is injured. No surprise on the Forest side. They're unchanged from the team that drew with Chelsea. It's Southampton against Nottingham Forest at St Mary's. We'll keep an eye on all those games. I'm presuming Spurs won't give Crystal Palace a two-goal lead, but then again, who knows? That is their want. Highly likely with the kind of forwards Crystal Palace can put on the pitch. Very dangerous. Why are Southampton so putrid this year? Um, ugh, I think that's a bit strong. They're struggling all right. Bottom of the league. Yeah, somebody's got to be bottom of the league. Yeah, generally they're putrid. <laughs> well, they haven't been uh, putrid uh, for every week of every season for the Bags. They've managed to stay in the in the Premier League and excel at certain Which uh, is points. why I'm wondering, why this year, after 17 games with their 12 points, are they so poor this year? I haven't seen much of them. No, we haven't. No, picked up some decent enough uh, players. The German, German boy in particular is early in the season, uh, centre-half, Bella Kocha, wasn't it? The, did he actually go to the World Cup? I think he did uh, with Germany. So I thought they recruited reasonably well in the summer, but yeah, forms fa- fell off a cliff. Che Adams looked at an absolute world-beater kind of start to the season. Struggling as well. Confidence, you know how it goes, Joe, that kind of ripple effect, mm. kind of confidence. Obviously, there was issues there with the manager. It was an interesting one from the outside looking in what was going on there. Some of the players that stopped uh, listening to him was reasonably uh, impressed. Genuine uh, Hassel Hootle uh, during his time at uh, Southampton, and yeah, it was I wouldn't say scratching my head like when they made this particular appointment. Uh, Nathan Jones coming in, certain element of risk there in terms of uh, bringing him in. Time will tell. He's only been there for a few weeks, but yeah, I would fear for them a little bit. I've got to be honest with you, but uh, still a lot of experience and some quality in that squad. Uh, Ward Prowse in particular and. I think it's those experienced players, your battle-hardened players. As a manager, you look to Nathan Jones, particularly experienced at this level. It's those senior players. You hope it's going to pull every pull the whole thing together and begin the fight back second half of the season. Ellen Road as well, Rich. Yeah, seven forty-five start there. Leeds are going to play host to West Ham with the team news in this one. Here's Peter Smith. Two changes to the Leeds side that held Newcastle to a goalless draw. Incam Rocker and Somerville. Harrison drops to the bench. Forshaw is out through injury. Four alterations says David Moyes tweaks his West Ham side in order to try and find a winning formula. Incam Agard, Kerher, Fornells and Suchek with Cresswell, Agbonna, Benrama and Emerson named as substitutes. At Elland Road, it's Leeds United against West Ham. 
both sides there tonight wearing black armbands following the death today of West Ham co-chairman David Gold at the age of 86. Uh, so Van Dijk, people would have seen, was substituted at half time against Brentford and uh, yep. that phrase, more serious than first thought, is uh, hanging over them suddenly. Yeah, Liverpool stealing themselves for a longer than expected period without Virgil van Dijk. He needs to see a specialist with his hamstring injury worse than first feared. Van Dijk was replaced at halftime in Liverpool's defeat away to Brentford on Monday night. Liverpool host Wolves in the FA Cup this weekend. They also have Premier League games this month with Brighton and Chelsea. Also looming on the horizon is their Champions League last 16 first leg with Real Madrid. That is on February 21st. Uh, somebody says we need a fifth province far too many good players either leaving or not playing rugby through their prime years let's just buy London Irish once and for all as a text into 53106 do we think Aaron Connolly can get back on track at Hull still think there's a lot of talent there would be amazing to see an Irish strike force in the Premier League of Brighton have we ever had that before um, have we ever had a Premier League duo strike for uh, Niall Quinn uh, John Niall and Robbie yeah, Robbie. John Aldridge, I'm thinking at the time was... But not at the same who club. Played, who, played, who played up front with John? Not at the same club, though. Oh, the same club? Yeah. Oh, right. Jeez, the same club. That's a big God, ask. No. Yeah. God, no. I think, I think the ship has sailed for, for Connolly at Brighton, or at Brighton anyway. Um, I think he'll be out of there this summer, regardless of what happens mm. at all. They'll probably find new pastures for him elsewhere and he'll find it for himself. He needs, like, he needs this to work out at all, like, badly, because the Venezia thing has gone... Uh, way badly wrong hasn't played since September only started I think twice there before that um, seems more in love with the idea of being a professional footballer than actually playing football and that needs to change uh, Pat asking all the big questions here Kenny did you enjoy your Christmas dinner and then settle about croquettes question mark Christmas dinner uh, staple cop or out. no it's a cop out croquettes it's just a filler isn't it no it's just a little filler you put everything on the plate and you're short and you think what bang a few croquettes into the oven 15 minutes top whack oh they're good though put them on the plate no not not Christmas that's cheating it's cheating are you a Brussels sprouts man you probably are a few more roast potatoes I just bang a few more I agree totally should never be short roast potatoes it's a crime they should never be empty if you haven't got you haven't got (laughs) how many roasties left over you've done it wrong how many is too many I think you'd, we'd all hit I double figures before enough, we You can never stop. have enough. Yeah, I think they're gone. By the end of the night, they're gone. Somebody's like sneaking out there as the evening goes on and yeah. <laughs> slowly but surely they disappear. Yeah. <laughs> Brussels sprouts, man? Oh, yeah. Would you be? Yeah, I forsake them for the whole of December. <laughs> so I can look forward to them on... Uh, yeah, never understand that one. Um, but the other even the turkey months. one I don't get, people... And the work dudes have about three Christmas dinners prior to. Yeah, oh, Joe, yeah no. I'll, I'll dig into point? turkey and ham. Ridiculous. No, I will, yeah. It's just so good. You have to suffer. You, <laughs> suffer. you have to forego that for no, about no. months hence, before you're. Hence the enjoyment. Honestly, once the clocks go back, any chance I'll go for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I guess how much satisfaction I think from a Christmas dinner. Uh, it's like a penance. <laughs> we are pretty much hitting the clock, Richie, unless there's any other story you think you want to squeeze in. As you mentioned there at the top of the show, Jamie Mullins is the latest player to go the well-trodden path from Bohemians to Brighton. The 18-year-old midfielder has signed a -a two-and-a-half-year deal with the Premier League club. Evan Ferguson and Warren O'Hora have previously made the same switch. Ferguson scored and provided an assist, of course, last night in his first Premier League start at Everton. Are we... Somebody's just uh, do a compilation here. Are we sending 
more players than ever to the UK. I just feel like every news round there's a story like this or is it we're sending the same amounts it's just they're no longer 14, 15, 16 year olds going over. They're going later. They're I going much it, later. It is yeah. and therefore it makes the news in a way that a 14, 15 year old yeah. going over didn't. Yeah, is that your sure. sense too, Kenny? I, yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair comment. I think it's a good thing for the reasons that I said uh, earlier. Jamie Mullins hasn't actually had a huge amount of game time at uh, Bowes. Bowes in particular have been hard hit in terms of losing players. Dawson uh, Devoy, wasn't he, previous to that, yeah. went over to MK Dons. That must be so frustrating. Like Clubs like Bohemians kind of bringing these players into the system, kind of seeing them develop and thinking, well, here we go, they're just mm-hmm. about to explode and showcase their talent and whoosh, they're away. That That's tough, but thought now of a 14 year old going over 13 year old going over as you said give you shivers and the done thing for so many years it's just the older you get the younger 14 starts to seem yeah. Dave and Bray has texted in you can always rely on the listeners Irish striking duo same club I wouldn't say they're like a renowned partnership that started every game together but they were there at Spurs Gary Doherty yes and Robbie, Robbie Kane there you go Doc. there you the go Doc, Doc. The Don't step ever. over. There you go. The famous step over. Uh, so Kenny is with us between 9 and 10. We have a lot to discuss. Richie McCormack will bid you farewell. Nice and Cheers, Richie.